We used to be like tabletop gamers and even talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, LARP was like a dirty word. <laughs> you don't have to tell your family you're just going camping. Yeah. I still do yeah. that. There's only uh. one type of nerd. Well, no, I tell my job I'm going camping. My family knows what I do. I, I tell my job that I do volunteer work since I join <laughs> stuff. <laughs> volunteer work at a scout camp. He's a heck of a guy. Volunteers all the time. Welcome to another episode of 321 Lay On Podcast, brought to you by Next Level Nerd Podcast Network. We are a few enthusiasts that just love LARP, and uh, some of us are kind of new to it. Evan and I just got back into LARPing, um, and we are excited to meet new people from the community, learn about different games out there. And today, I'm excited to talk to a few of the GMs from a game in New Jersey. It's called Chronicles of Rowanon, fantasy steampunk. LARP in Bernigat, New Jersey. And joining us today, we have Robin, Carl, Jen, and Salvatore. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about the game? Well, Chronicles of Rowan On, um, shortened to core, is a a live-action steampunk fantasy LARP based out of New Jersey. Um, The world is unique, meaning that it's it's not set in the real world say of any specific time. Um, it's a world created by not only myself but also my dedicated staff as well. Um, we're a bot for style LARP. We also um, use latex weapons and classic 3D events and they happen every other month. So we have six events per year. Is there uh, anything specific about our LARP that you'd like to know or ask us yeah, I was uh, looking over the rule book. It's pretty in-depth, it looks <laughs> looks like. Uh, and it's been running for about two years now, is that correct? Uh, yes, our first of official event is Chronicles of Rowanon was in 2016. Nice. And why don't you, somebody give us sort of a brief uh, what happened before that, what led up to the creation of the game. Okay. Um, the creation process of horror actually started technically with our old game, which was called Guardian Chronicles. Um, that was birthed in 2008 and took nice. about a year for us to develop. Um, around 2015, 2015, we took a long hiatus to clean up the structures and things that made some of the things that we And branded it Chronicles of Rowan on. And, uh, we had our first event in February of 2016, and we've been consistently running every other month since then. Nice. Now, is it the continued story, or just that game ended and started totally new? Mm-hmm. Well, um, our our events do are, are chronological, meaning they do happen in time and order, and a lot of things are connected. The Birdie uh, Chronicles took place 500 years in the past, so I brought the game five years into the future. Gotcha. So kind of the same. Well, you said it's not in the world, but it's it would be like the same book series or movie series, right? Yes. Yes. Cool. Same gods, same book series, same same country, more or less. A little bit of world sundering in the middle there. Things yeah. got destroyed and then rebuilt. Races yes. evolved. Technology changed. Only a little. <laughs> yeah. Now, were you all part of 
part of that change or some of you guys newer just to this Chronicles of Ronan or uh, we've all all four of us were all part of the previous staff cool interesting you know just a little bit about us we Evan and I got back into LARPing we LARPed for a year or two in high school about over a decade ago uh, so we've been kind of out of the scene for a long time uh, <laughs> so we have been learning a lot of how games are like that um, and the game we played is still going on um, so I guess that's what I always thought LARPs were like you know they just start and they keep going if people are still there you know um, yes. but that's the but goal now, yeah um, but now you know I learned that sometimes LARPs only run for three or four years and they start over and that kind of thing so it's kind of interesting to just hear how different games are run and what's you know what the different player bases are into and how all that works now you guys are a, like a non-profit organization right yes I would say we we're not a, a legal not non-profit organization. We run as a not for profit, meaning gotcha. that we are a legal business. However, we don't um, we don't take the salary or paycheck for what we do. We put the money back into the game, and we do it for fun, but for our players. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like the best way to me. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Now, have you guys all LARPed together beforehand? Um, do you want to kind of each briefly just talk about your LARPing history? How long? When did you get started? How long have you been doing it? Heavy question, we know. We could start this one pretty simply. Uh, when I was 16 years old, my mom found this news article and some magazine she was reading about a uh, some type of fantasy game where kids ran around wearing costumes, beating each other up with plumbing supplies. So that was that was 34 years ago, guys, and it was based out of Virginia. My mom was willing to drive me eight hours to go play it. Wow! And I said, "Nah, no thanks, mom. Don't worry about it." Years went by. A buddy of mine had a gaming store. I was running a tabletop game, and there was a gentleman there who went to a gaming convention. Came back to my tabletop game with this flyer for a game, and. I started playing that game roughly 25 years ago and, you know, played it for about 10 years, uh, learned a bunch of things for being on staff, uh, moved on to another game that had started because I, I heard some good things about it, moved on to that game, played it for a while, got on to staff there, and then when uh, Jen came up with this idea for uh, her own game, I immediately jumped on board. So. All in all, I've been LARPing for 25 years. Nice. Could have been 30 years. Oh, well. <laughs> Could have been 34 years. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> it must be keeping you young. You don't seem that... <laughs> you don't seem old enough for that math to work out. <laughs> well, I'm 50. Yeah, you, that would not have been my guess. So, whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> well, you... You should ask our player base how fast I am. <laughs> he can be real scary. They might want you to age a little bit. Slow down. <laughs> it's true. I've been consistently LARPing since 1992. I've been a tabletop gamer since I was eight years old, and I was introduced to LARPing by some friends of mine many, many years ago. And I've played tons of different types of LARP and staffed on, on, on a couple of different types of LARPs. I mean, all different types Medieval Renaissance LARPs, Vampire LARPs, where other White Wolf types of LARPs, 
Mm-hmm. Steampunk larves, uh, 1920s lar, post-apocalyptic, all different types. Cool. cool. 20s lar, but I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Yeah, it was like a, it's a one-up. I tried it at a convention. You know, it was one mm. of those. It was more like a parlor larp. Gotcha. Really wasn't my thing. <laughs> okay, um, so I'll go next. <clears throat> so I'm Robin. Um, I've been LARPing since I was about, I want to say, 18. So that was like maybe 12 or 13 years ago. Um, I I started out as, you know, a theater nerd. Um, I was doing like theater and choir and stuff uh, in school and, you know, elementary school, high school. Um, and one of my friends introduced me to LARPing, introduced me to tabletopping, but I never really got into tabletopping. And then, you know, the idea of LARPing came about and I was like, ooh, like I was a big actor. I thought I was okay at it. And I, that's kind of where, you know, I like the idea of being creative and being able to, to do more with like the roles. So, uh, yeah, I started LARPing then and I've played, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 12 different games, uh, fantasy, steampunk, um, sci-fi, uh, a lot of different stuff. Um, maybe after LARPing for about six years, uh, um, Burning Chronicles was created. Um, I joined that as staff. That's the only, that and core are the only games I've ever um, been staff on, and then Reading Chronicles turned into Core, and then uh, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at now. Haven't looked back since. No, well, I mean I like to play other games every now and again, but mm-hmm. right now I'm mostly focusing on Core. Yeah, it's a little hard to do more than one, but definitely some people do it, especially if yeah. You're staff. Yeah, there was a time where I was, uh, where during Verding Chronicles, I was like playing that. I was like reaching out. I was almost playing like a game every weekend. That was that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I have been LARPing since 2009. It'll be nine years in September. I was 17 at the time. I heard about it from a neighbor friend who I tabletop with on a regular basis. It sounded cool. Um, uh, the first event was free. I figured I'd try it out. And that was a real love at first sight. I haven't looked back since sort of thing. I played that game for two years. I was a fantasy LARP. I've really only done uh, fantasy, like medieval fantasy LARPs. I played that for about two years before I joined Viridian Chronicles as a player. And over the course of Viridian Chronicles, I joined staff and got myself more integrated into the the back-end creative aspects. Helped rebuild Viridian Chronicles into Chronicles of Rowanon. That's My story's a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just as important, so. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, good variety. Um, is there even more people on staff or more GMs, I assume, or...? There's only four of us as GMs, and okay. we have a, a multitude of staff members. Yeah. Other than us, we have 11 volunteer staff members that help us at events and between events, working on every aspect of the game. And how big is kind of the overall game, staff, GMs, players? We uh, run with a, a staff of uh, roughly 15 people, like Sal said, and our player base ranges between 30 to 40 people. So we average two to three players per staff member. So we have plenty of coverage to make sure that every player uh, has some interaction with a plot or a rules member or something. Uh, we look at it this way. Uh, we're a close-knit group. Nobody's ever left behind and nobody's ever left wanting. 
yeah, it seems like kind of a sweet spot size-wise, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially, like you said, if you have that much staff-to-player ratio, that's that's nice for players, I imagine. Yeah, we... we uh, not, not that we wouldn't mind more players. Uh, we definitely would love it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we do have a sweet spot, as, as you uh, coined that phrase. And this way, uh, uh, the plot staff can get more into the nitty-gritty of people's uh, backgrounds. So it's it, sometimes it seems like it's almost a one-on-one, but... Mm. Uh, you know, there's 39 other people there all enjoying that one-on-one. It is uh, important to note, too, that we, you know, encourage all of our uh, staff members to also PC. So not only are the plot members, rules, rules members, and logistics members staff members, they also have their own characters. And uh, the way that everything kind of works, um, you know, it somehow we've avoided things that a lot of other people are concerned about when it comes to GMs and staff members PCing. There's no bias, there's no cheating, and, and everyone generally has a good time, and it kind of helps everyone get you know invested in the game and get to experience different things, and there's still surprises. Yeah, it's another thing, like I said, learning about different LARPs, that uh, I'm finding there's different ways people do it, and people have kind of different ideologies on it. Uh, and yeah, it just kind of does come down to almost just kind of luck of the draw community people you have um but also sort of the environment you foster through your staff i think but that's good to hear so you seem to have a at least a diversity in gms as far as different kinds of people uh the community is it older people young people good mix we we actually have a very uh diverse group age-wise uh, we've recently introduced a uh, section of the game called Junior Core or Core Junior, uh, whereas uh, we allow younger children uh, with a parent who also plays to enjoy the game as well. Oh, nice. uh, it at first it seems a little quirky, but uh, when you hit my age, you know, and you got kids that are interested in playing, my oldest is 21. Okay, mm-hmm. he, he wanted to start playing when he was like six. And uh, mm-hmm. he had he's a wait. plot member now. Yeah, he's a plot member now. Uh, and we range in age uh, at this point in time. Our youngest being uh, Jen and my daughter, Rowan. Uh, she's 10. And I am the oldest player on camp at the age of 50. So we have a, a, a solid spread. The majority of our player base is in their mid-20s. And... Uh, yeah, we, we have a we really enjoy uh, the the grouping the uh, mix, yeah. and the mix of yeah. the individuals, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, these kids keep me young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we uh, uh, we have okay. a lot of veteran larpers as well as you know a bunch of people who core is their first game, so it kind of experience level ranges too. It makes the in-game world, in my opinion, it seems more real. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, you're always going to have, like, you know, the older people and the younger people and, and then, you know, the in-between running around. It makes, it gives the game more depth. Like, yes, that's what really happens in a town somewhere. Right. Let's uh, get a little more into the game. So it's fantasy and steampunk, um, which I've never gotten to play, unfortunately. So uh, I saw some videos and pictures, which were awesome. Um, but so the, I saw, like, Nerf and I saw, but I also saw a lot of swords and armor. Yeah, just talk a little bit about what's what is kind of the feel when people show up. What what kind of things are going to see? What kind of things should they expect or whatever? Well, we um, 
we do encourage, you know, obviously like most LARPs, we do encourage everyone to do the best they can with costuming. <clears throat> and our, our game runs like 24 hours for the three days. That meaning we don't have a, we don't have a sleepy time or anything like that. Oh, wow. And when you see you, you, you can, everybody kind of mixes the different aspects of it. Some people like to do more fantasy. So you'll see your t- typical elf with a sword and, you know, armor. And then some people, we have clockwork, a clockwork race in our game. You know, some people want to go the more steampunk aspect of it. We have some people who like to take both of them together and, and uh, make build the character for the both. Yeah, we have, people, our, we have our ether tech guy who likes to, uh, you know, mix magic and technology together and it works with the rules too, which is pretty sweet. So you'll see, a, uh, when you come to the game, you'll see a lot of that mixing and also diversity going on with the, uh, the steampunk and the high fantasy aspect. It's like, how many games can you go to where you're going to see uh, an elf running around with a bowler hat and suspenders, shooting somebody with a Nerf gun one second and stabbing them in the back with a knife the next? Yeah, I think that's definitely what's interesting to me. Um, you know, most of the game, the only two or three games I've played have been your kind of Tolkien-esque fantasy um, D&D style games. So, yeah, I'd love to try something that's... Yeah, and that's what I like. I like that it's not just kind of one or the other. It seems unique and a mix, so it kind of just broadens your options, uh, and which which leads to more creative things. And yeah, that's a big focus happening. of our game. Really, is is giving people lots of options to do all kinds of cool stuff. Cool, and it sounds like people are taking advantage of that, even through looking through the, some of the pictures and stuff. Uh, it's a good mix. Cool. So what are some unique things other than just the setting? Uh, you know, I was looking through the rule book. Um, it seems like there's kind of like different pools that people have. They got to keep keep track of or that affect the game. Um, you want to talk about that or maybe kind of walk us through a character creation process, whatever you think will help people get a better feel of your game. Well, where would you like to start? Would you like to start talking about rules or our lore? Hmm. Yeah, let's go, Lore. That's, I think that makes more sense, at least in my mind. You want to know where you are and what's going on. Okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you are right when you say that one of the unique things about our game is the, uh, the steampunk fantasy mix. Though when we first started out, there weren't a lot of steampunk games around. So, uh, but so steampunk has been getting a lot of traction in the last couple of years. So there are like a couple more. Steampunk up. it's getting more I don't want to say mainstream people are paying more attention to um, yeah there's a lot of post-apocalyptic but not necessarily there, yeah, I don't there know why I connect the two I guess but um, um, some of the inspiration for our lore um, came from I, I wish I could give you like one or two things that inspired our lore um the world and even the universe in it, that the world is set in is wholly unique. Like we didn't use like a pre-existing world that was set or you know a movie setting or things like that. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I would also like to mention that the current iteration of Rowanon, which is our world, especially during the restructure, was was like I relied a lot of my plot staff and some dedicated players gave their input about things. Um, most of my inspiration came from many different sources. 
I've always been an avid reader of all the classic fantasy, adventures, punk, gaming, novels, and things like that. Um, I suppose you could say that Ronan was inspired by everything I've ever read in, in my entire life. I wanted deities um, that were part of the world and interacted with it, but were also somewhat relatable and fallible, almost like Greek or Roman gods. Mm. I, didn't want, uh, I didn't want total omnipotence to I wanted them to make some mistakes, and I wanted the mortals to see those mistakes and have to deal with the consequences. These are the deities, you mean? They're people are aware of like the stories of the deities, and they yes. messed up and had yep. consequences. That's cool. Yes. Oh like boy. Oh, we have so. I also I wanted to flesh out different cultures found on the world, so people could play what they wanted. Um, so I looked at the cultures of our world for inspiration on that, and well, we did change the names. Like we don't actually. You know, call something Scottish, or 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 Nordic, or or French or Spanish. Sure. But we we in, we were inspired by the cultures of the real world, for the different cultures that are in our world. And uh, there's countries that are also, are also you know basically the home that are the home uh, basis for those cultures. That influences the costuming, uh, accents, language, things like that, or um, it can. We don't actually demand that people speak with an accent okay. but um yes it does add to the, you know some people just can't do an accent and that's fine you know sure. not gonna... um it does for the most part you can use it to base your costuming off if you want to we give suggestions in the lore as far as our cultures go um for things that you can look at you know as far as your costuming we um we have a very set thing about our our racial costuming is makeup only meaning that we don't want you to have to dress a certain way because you're from a certain race. Gotcha. I also love epic tales of magic and godlike beings that affect the world. So I put a bunch of that into Rowan on um, when I was creating it. I also have a, a sick fascination with weird and gothic fiction, which is like Lovecraft and Bram Stoker. So I put a bunch of that in, that, in there too. Um, and that works really well with the steampunk aspect. Like I have... Totally. You know, Cthulhu-like sea monsters and crazy, archaic, you know, eldritch horrors and all kinds of stuff. And we didn't just... I feel like we didn't just write the world. Um, when I created Chronicles of... When I created Rowanon as a world, I started not with the world. I started with the whole universe. There's like a whole universe of different planes of existence that revolve around Rowanon and affect it. And I built from the outside in and then I focused on going on as a whole which um, I'm not sure if that's anybody else's process as far as the Lord goes <laughs> for their game you know maybe so, I know some people just focus on like a land and they're really ambiguous about the world like what's the what's on the other side of the world you know mm. nobody knows but I know what's on the other side of the world I'm hoping the players will figure out someday what is on the other side of the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And um, I, I can't even, like, the references that someone might, that I might give to someone to understand what war is, I had a really hard time unpacking that because there's so much. It's classic fantasy meets Victorian England, meets Vikings, meets Lovecraft, meets Gothic horror, meets Harry Potter, meets Dungeons and Dragons. Like, and it just seems to work. And I know it sounds like a lot, but we, we managed to, like, condense all that down into this one world where everybody can find what they want to do like the diversity is just great sounds great <laughs> yeah 
I don't know if you have any questions you you want to ask, like for me to expand upon any of that. Well, actually, I was, what I was most wondering is kind of your background, like, because um, that's pretty in depth. Like, do you have like a writing background, or it's just from playing and reading so much that you were able to kind of create all these things? And because that seems pretty in depth, more so than your average, you know. I think it's maybe not, but. I come from a, I mean, I've been, I've been tabletopping, like I said, since I was eight years old and I've always been a reader and I've always played video games. I've always, you know, played Dungeons and Dragons and loved fantasy movies and all different things like that. And I think a lot of that condensed down. Um, I don't have any um, formal training in writing or, or authorhood and everything like that. I have entertained the notion of writing a book maybe, but. I, I don't have time for that. I run a LARP. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's given me a good background that growing on as the world just kind of like came to life in my head and I just started writing stuff down. Awesome. And I was like, you know what? I got to share this. I got to share this with the rest of the world or whoever wants to share it with me. And now how much does a typical player kind of <laughs> dive into all that? Um you know, I know it kind of varies as far as how much you got to dig into to kind of write a backstory and be involved in the goings on. Um, and I know a lot of games encourage, you know, hey, check oh, out a rule do. book, read the lore. We definitely do encourage that, though. We don't like I don't we, we don't demand, you know, you don't have to write a whole novella. You know, um, we encourage people at least to give us a paragraph or two about the character. You know, even mm -hmm. if it's just to say, what are your character's goals? Like, what do you want to do? I mean, I'm still coming up with stuff, to tell you the truth. Well, well, I did put a lot into the initial creation and the structure of this game as well. I also didn't want to feel, I didn't want to feel this, um, because I want there to be room to grow comedy scenes. And I also want my plot to be able to create things. Mm -hmm. I want there to be room for someone to come up with a small town that they came from and some evil work that they can write a backstory about, about why their character is this way specifically, or why they bring vengeance to this certain person. Like, so sure. I, I intentionally left a lot of things vague and blank and encouraged my players to fill in those blanks. And once somebody submits a character history, once I approve it, and really the only thing I'm looking for is making sure that you read the lore and it fits into our world, and it's not like, you know, you're not worshiping a god that doesn't exist or anything like that, um, or coming from a country that doesn't exist. But sure, it be once I approve a character history, it becomes part of our lore. It goes into my, our file and it stays there, and it's part of the lore, and we reference it, and uh, and it becomes a living character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the players do help shape the world as well. Awesome. Now, uh, going from there, um, let's maybe talk a little bit more rules and options for characters. Um, is it kind of your basic fighter mage, you know, rogue kind of classes? Um, is it you can kind of do anything, but just pick these skills and you can do it? What's how would you summarize that? Yeah. So, um, I do a lot of uh, I I focus a lot on the rules. I'm the the, the head of the the rules team, uh, Sal, helps me out. He's like my assistant, so we're going to talk 
about the rules. Um, so when we went to create this, um, you know, uh, back in Burning Chronicles, it was a different rule system. It was, it was the <clears throat> general class system. Um, but one thing that we realized, and, you know, you experience it a lot of games, is that people like to multi-class. People like to be able to put those cool combinations of skills together in, in ways that, like, I didn't expect possible. Um, so that's what we, when we created this system, we set out with that as, like, a basis and a goal. So I'd like to think our system is, like, kind of unique. Um, it, it's similar to a lot of other games, but different um, in the sense that you can make... You know, if you want to just be a warrior, you can be a warrior. If you want to be a mage, you can be a mage. But um, basically, we broke it up into different tiers. It starts off as the novice tier. Then there's, you know, um, apprentice, journeyman, master, grandmaster, grandmasters far in the future. Um, and you kind of progress along that. And so we also have um, in the middle of those are different categories. So your categories would be like combat, arcane, divine, uh, guile. Um, crafting, uh, academic. So, like, if you want to be a warrior, you'd go mostly in combat. You'd, you know, become a nov- novice warrior. Um, and then when you go from being a novice to an apprentice, you kind of, like, transcend and you get a, bit, a little bit more specific. Um, and then when you go from apprentice to journeyman, you become even more specific. You choose to be, like, a brute or a guardian. You pick, like, what your focus is. Um, but, you know, at each tier you could also branch out depending on what you want to do you want to be a fighter rogue you can do that and then it'll maybe take a little bit more time than someone who's straight up warrior Mm -hmm. but you can make that progression and you can pick different skills along different areas and uh, it it allows for a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things do you see a lot of people coming up with combinations you didn't expect or (laughs) you just have a lot of spellcasters oh my gosh (laughs) um Go for it, Sal. We we designed the system to be very open-ended intentionally, and our players have absolutely taken advantage of that fact in that there are some characters that are currently playing our game where the rules team looks at their like their their card, their abilities, and we go, This this shouldn't fit together. We never thought this would work. And yet when they go to do the thing that that player built the character to do they're the best at it and they're able to do things that we didn't even expect when we made the skills that they're using yeah like we are we have maybe one really big like i'm a warlock like i cast magic and i blew everything up but then a lot of the other spell casters are um there's one guy who's really big with uh he's a fighter caster who's about um putting runes on his weapons and channeling spells through his weapons most of the other casters are performance bardic casters Mm -hmm. um so kind of spreads out we have a, a divine kind of rogue who is scary because he's mostly incorporeal most of the time and that was something that we did not expect to happen yeah. so there's a lot of really cool things that people have been able to do and makes it fun for us and there are some characters that do a little bit of everything and while mm-hmm. they're not necessarily the best at any one thing they're able to jump into any situation and have something they can contribute to it yeah that's awesome. A real, a real cool Swiss Army knife. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so I guess like focusing on a couple of the mechanics. Um, uh, you mentioned before pools. Um, we, you know, we have the typical. You know, you got your hit points, um, magic points, uh, action points, or whatever you want to call them. But we wanted to, 
use the the lore in our game to kind of describe what they are. So our hit points are called Via, which the Vian stream is, you know, the life force that fills everybody. Um, our magic points are called Ether, which is, you know, cool and steampunky. And it uh, Ether comes from the Nexus, which is the realm of magic. Um, and then our action points, we kind of just went straight up and we called it Steam. So, you know, when you are <laughs> doing your feats and your, your, you know, physical actions, you are literally spending Steam. And uh, I thought it I'm would be really cool. <laughs> yes. Like people in game are literally saying like, oh, guys, I'm out of Steam, which <laughs> on like a meta standpoint, nice. you're like, oh, I know they're talking about a power pool. But if you really thought about it, like in game, like someone could literally come up to you and just say like, oh, I'm out of Steam. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I like that. Was that in the back of somebody's mind when they were writing that? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's perfect. That's, That's great. Another big aspect of our game is um, we have the affinity system, and, a, and uh, the baptisms can get really interesting. Sally, you want to talk about that? Yes. So affinities are the fundamental forces underlying the entire world of Rowanon and um, uh, all the divine planes connected to it. it it was our attempt to take some of that deeper, like not just world building, but sort of universe building that Jen put into creating the world and allowing players to tap into it and progress along it. It's got some of your standard like elemental um, uh, themes like fire, ice, things like that. But there's also vile. There's also nature. There's all, there's light and darkness. It's the fundamental forces that connect. And destruction and... Yes. Storm and forge, destruction and creation. It's our, it's, uh, our players, our characters in the world tapping into these fundamental forces and channeling them both um, uh, through their roleplay, but also through their combat. And the baptisms tie into that as well, in that, as Jen mentioned, there are, there's a, a wide variety of deities in our game, and you can be baptized to any one of them, and baptizing to them allows you to progress up our divine tiers that Robin mentioned and that's one of the things where you get some of the crazier combinations because you've got all these different gods and each of them plays a little differently. Each of them has different themes that is reinforced by the lore written b about them, but also how the players utilize the mechanics behind them. The god of the forge of creation, Keld, he's got a lot of support spells. Meanwhile, Morwen, the goddess of destruction, has a lot of high damage spells and also improving people's ability in combat and these are just another aspect of the game where the player has so many options and there's no pressure to pick one when you start you can progress through your affinities you can choose a baptism you don't have to touch it you can leave it alone and other players get things out of it that they like but you don't need to and you're not really missing out terribly if you choose not to associate yourself with an affinity or a baptism because at the end of the day the, the role play reinforces the mechanics and the mechanics are the reward for sticking with the role play mm, gotcha now having all these different things cultures and races and classes and baptism that was trying to 
appeal to like a lot of different people or just had all these ideas like both. yeah <laughs> like definitely a little bit of both everybody wants to play like a unique character and everybody's got their own idea of what that is mm-hmm. and even sometimes people have multiple ideas of what that is mm-hmm. sometimes when i play the evil scumbag who's like you know yeah. imbued shadows and and you can you want it to have a bit where they, somebody can play that or mm-hmm. somebody wants a good guy paladini you know light worshiping guy got that too somebody just wants to be like the bardiest bard they could ever be you got that too seven it's all a matter of nice. like making making dreams come true people want to everybody has a different aspect of what they want to play as far as their character nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's cookie cutter not anymore at least i mean it used to be yeah. back in the old <laughs> gaming like groups it was basically you got a ranger you got a fighter you got a right. wizard blah, blah. it's not like that anymore i mean <clears throat> our game yeah it's awesome i always love it when games allow you to basically do what you want to make the character you want and not confine you in any way yeah well, when we were building the game, um, uh, our rules committee was getting together and we put all our heads together and we came to the realization that almost every LARPer that we could like poll on what they wanted out of a game had a slightly different answer. Mm. And that led us to believe that the more options we provide without making anything like the natural must-pick, like best option, yeah. the, the better it would be for everybody because you could really just have what you want to do and do it and be able to still, you know, be a part of the world and the game. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I think one of the things I love about LARP and tabletop is it, you know, allows that freedom of imagination. And, uh, like you're saying, just any, anybody should be able to find something they enjoy doing. Um, and with the right group, people can make something work, even if it doesn't exist yet, you know, mm-hmm. And then you get to see it and run around as it in LARP. Yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned just kind of a quick side, uh, like a three-day event, 24 hours. Is it Friday night to like Saturday morning or? Friday night to Sunday afternoon. Okay. Nice. And every other month, you said? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even through like summer and winter? Yep, year-round. Yep. Nice. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we used to play m- uh, monthly at Verdian Chronicles and then, you know, we kind of decided that bi-monthly works really well because not only does it allow us to jive with other, other games, um, it also gives us a little bit more time to, mm-hmm. to come up with stuff. It gives, you know, people a little bit more time to unwind between events. Like, I mean, in the past, you know, there sometimes camp schedules fall in such a way that like you're literally playing like the next weekend or two weekends away. So it's, yeah. it's kind of been pretty good that we've been able to play every other month yeah we tried to go for quality over quantity because of that because of of us um going every other month where a lot of other larps especially in our area we don't know what it's like in your, your guys area but a lot of most of the larps in this area do go. so what we did to try and uh fill in the gaps between our events is we have a couple things number one we do have an online role-playing forum that um, everybody who's ever played our game who has ever had a PC is allowed to go on anytime they want to and role play with each other. And we also do on the off months, um, it coincides with our uh, Robin Runs a Rules Hangout for players to discuss rules and things like that. I also do an online RP event that um, I sit there basically at my computer all day and I 
craft an online story and I act it out on, on our forums and people can interact with it. And we also yeah, have cool. our BEA system, which I'm sure Robin will tell you all about. <laughs> yeah, the um, between event action system is basically at the end of the event you get a certain amount of actions that you can uh, do and you, you send it in and Jen and the plot team reads it and they when you come in at the uh, at the next event you get you know a letter or a list of things that that you did um, everyone has a set amount of actions and you can actually learn different skills you know as you progress that can allow you to do different things like you want to send a, a letter to that noble that you've been trying to uh, to get in with you can do that you want to take a, a, a voyage to you know somewhere off in the in the country you can do that and then as you progress you might be able to you know infiltrate an enemy compound you might be able to do you know research and stuff like that and it uh it it does like i, I love i love larping and i you know i'm a gm here but you know sometimes as a player i can be uh kind of shy and i love the opportunity to get a chance to do things that i want to do at events but don't really have the option to so it's cool to just be able to like yeah i'm gonna go do that thing and then get a response to it. So it's really, it's really the, good, at least for me. The between event action system, I am personally very happy with, both as a player of our game and as a staff member, because more than anything else that I've seen in any LARP I've played, it allows the players to have a dramatic influence on the world. Yeah. And Jen can attest that there have been whole plot lines that have been kicked off by specific players writing into plot like hey between the between the events between the gatherings i want to go off and do this thing i want to go find something i want to go interact with someone or and research then, something specifically like i want to research with my knowledge arcana about what the possible connection between a and b would be mm-hmm. and i'd be like whoa well, okay or, or you have <laughs> or you have a, a pc like sal plays who is pretty much uh uh, he, he's got an Indiana Jones aspect, so uh, he does the research on the ancient buildings and so on, and finds that cool. ancient hidden treasure, and that just leads to more and more plot lines. Yeah, the more it, looks, the more plot gives them. Exactly. Awesome. So, like, yeah, my, as my character, I've researched things, and just even in the last event we had. I uncovered an ancient temple, got a group together, and we went and we um, uh, opened it back up and we found what was inside. And it really rewards players who take initiative, but it you gives like everyone... I, lo- I loved what was inside. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really rewards players who take initiative, but it also gives everyone the chance to take initiative without crowding anyone else out. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so tell us a little bit about like um so where are the players lo- located when they're in game is it uh like mm-hmm. a town they on an island yeah that's what actually that's a cool aspect of of our game which i think is a little bit different is that um so we're all in veridia which is uh, a, a nation on a continent um but think- when when the game goes we actually travel all throughout um, the kingdom of Viridia. So we're each month we try to set in a different a different duchy of Viridia. So the culture is a little bit different. The uh, the NPCs are a little bit different, and the story is a little bit different. Oh, that's really cool. So it keeps it fresh, I bet. Uh, the game is centered around the kingdom of Viridia. 
which is kind of a, it was founded on, uh, it was founded by a bunch of different pre-existing countries got together to found a new land. And they, they all sponsored duchies within the kingdom. So we were able to like, uh, you know, have like a bunch of different cultures, local more or less, to where the PCs are. So they get a chance to play in all that stuff. That's cool. And what's, what's kind of the reasoning for traveling around? Are they part of some group or it's just, this is where we all happen to be or? Well, they're the heroes. Yeah, they're the heroes. <laughs> they're going where the adventure is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this, this thing is happening in this duchy and a call goes out for all heroes that wish to help to come to this mm-hmm. certain area. And, um, you know, so anybody that would like to go there, which, you know, most people do, you know, <laughs> to go okay. and there will be a, Sometimes there'll be an overarching theme, or sometimes a noble will be sponsoring a, a festival. Sometimes that's the premise for going to a specific duchy: is that there's a there's a holiday to celebrate, and then what ha- what shenanigans happen at the holiday? Uh, can't be cool. Like I'm yeah, <laughs> um, our last year was a, a, a big war where this um, invading uh, empire wanted to was was sneaking into uh, the country of Viridia. And so each each month would be seeing how it's affecting the different duchies. And then when things really went off and it became an all-out war, it was, you know, fighting through the different areas and then trying to clean up as uh, some of them got invaded heavier than others. And that's uh, we're, we're still dealing with some of that uh, in the, the past few events, but it's been really battles. cool. Airship battles. Nice. Airship battles. Yeah, you're not going to see that at our game, probably. Egg clock and dragons. <laughs> you don't know that. Ooh. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, we um we actually have a pretty extensive uh, ship battle mechanic that um one of our rules members uh, Josh uh, Joshua Meredith put together for us, which is has been really good, and it kind of combines a little bit of like um I don't know tabletopy like war gamey type things where we have a couple people sitting around you know a grid map with uh with ships and stuff while we have the the players who are actually on those ships are actually role playing in the other room. And, you know, the effects of what's happening between the NPC ships and the player ships is affecting what is going on on the on the top decks of the, the other ship. It's uh, we're still in process with it, but it's it's getting pretty cool. Yeah, we're, we're play testing it extensively. And each time we play it, we get a lot of feedback and we we're you know, it's it's an ever improving process. No, that sounds really cool. And it, yeah, I like to hear when games aren't afraid to try things like that and see what the players like and you know oh, bring something not. into <laughs> we're not afraid yeah <laughs> definitely yeah and you're definitely giving yourselves a lot of options and things to work with and the players which is really cool so they're just kind of in a room um where you make it feel like the hull of an airship or the deck of a airship or yeah it it depends on where um we decide to set it and kind of and the month when it is yeah, yeah. something like one time we had to have it on a field because there were too many airships on field and regular mm-hmm. steamships too. And regular steamships. It, it was it was a multi-level <laughs> tier. That's cool. Yeah, airship. and then sometimes we'll just have it in one room. Yeah, it depends. If it's like one or two airships, usually we like either we don't have a lot outside, but if we have a space, we'll we'll use a room to yeah, like feel like you're on an airship. So. What other things might players encounter in the world? Um, different races, monsters, things like that. They're orcs, goblins, that kind of thing, or uh, the races. Oh uh, man! Well, well, we do have um, 
we do have a, a goblin-y slash orky race. It's called Gork, which actually is a PC race. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw that. Because yeah. uh, in our steampunk fantasy world, the goblins aren't inherently evil. Or, you sure. know, orcs aren't inherently evil. They're just, you know, you're... It's the classic trope of, like, you know, the 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 goblin-y thing that likes to uh, that likes to um, make things. Yeah, and the other side of them. The other side of them is like sneaky goblins, and also your you have your big huge goblins that like to smash stuff. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the Gorks actually became they they evolved from the previous game where we used to have goblins and orcs, and then the way that the story arc and history happened after the five hundred years. They almost went extinct. They almost went extinct, but they bred into one race called the Gorks. And each one of our races has three subsets within it. And then there's a lot of fun with that. Yeah, we have what's called paragoning, meaning there's forms, there's there's final forms. Um. Like <laughs> race. I don't <laughs> I mean, it's basically like final form, right? Yeah. Yeah, more yeah. or less. <laughs> It's uh, oh we, we we have humans, of course. Uh, we have dwarves, which aren't stereotypical Tolkien dwarves. They they don't have to be short, but they do wear beards, and that that's part of their racial stuff. And then they have uh, a a, a uh, clan tattoo that on their face shows where they came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have dampiers. Uh, vampires, because gotta have vampires. So. Yeah. <laughs> And they fall into three subsets of vampires. Uh, we have automatons, which are, are robot people. They fall into clockwork. three clockworks. They fall into robot three. Robot is sci-fi. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they fall into uh, three distinct uh, subsets. And uh, we have lycanthropes. We have werewolves, werebears. If you have vampires, you've got to have werewolves. And we have- <laughs> And we have a unique race uh, that I've never heard of used before. It's a warg, which is like a combination of a wolf and a bear. And if you read the lore about them, they're like the wranglers for the other guys to make sure that everybody's at peace with the, the lycanthropes aren't killing each other. Yeah. And we have and we, we do have the berserkers. We literally call them berserkers. <laughs> that's where the name came it's from. Historical precedent. Uh, we, we have this really cool uh, race called the puka. Which uh, it's an animal spirit that resides within inside somebody, and uh, you can be almost any animal race. All you have to do is float it past plot and rules, and they say, "Okay, here's your costuming requirements." Okay, so I'm a fox. I, I wear a tail, have a ears, and nose, and as long as somebody's not saying swipe or no swipe, I'm good. <laughs> actually, interesting because that they they actually mechanically birth. From, and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. They, from, we were looking at all our races, and we had a lot of different animal races in the VC version of our game. Um, and we wanted to consolidate down because some were more popular than others. But then other people were saying they wanted to play this type of animal, like half animal, you know, anthropomorphic animal thing. Mm. And we're like, how do we make everybody happy? We got one person over here wants to be a turtle. We got another person over here wants to be a fox. We got another person over here wants to be a wolf. We got a, a cat over here. We got another person over here wants to be a plant person. How are we even going to do with how? What do we do? And then Robin said, I have this grand idea. <laughs> Let's make them poop us. So we got, and basically it's the same race. It just manifests in different ways. So if somebody could be this, like be a puka and be whatever animal they want to. And we also have plant pukas, which mm-hmm. somebody could be like 
plant person if they want. That's cool. Yeah, it works because the um, the it. gods of nature are both uh, the beast lord and the lady forest combined into the nature twins. So the Pook are kind of their children. This is and, great. We have we have other races as well. Uh, we have uh, all uh, kinds of elves. We have yeah the generic elves, but when you look at them, sometimes you might not recognize people as elves until you see them with pointed ears and go, "Oh, what kind of subset elf is that? That guy's ears are like three feet long. What's up with that?" And that that falls into a subset of elves called Hoflins, and they have really tall ears. And then you have um, then you <laughs> have other types of elves that are there, and uh, they have varying degrees of skin color and facial tattoos and so on. Uh, we also have a snake-based uh, race called Ophidians. They are a fairly unique race. I I, I don't think I've ever seen it uh, portrayed yeah. well. We tried. That's another one that you a little bit. We had came up because people were like, "Wouldn't it be cool if people could be like Medusa?" Right. Mm. We tried to like try and biz rep that, and it was horrible. So we had to mm. cheat a little bit, and we came up with some ideas. Basically, they have snakes in their skin, and some have snakes in their hair, and so on. It, it's it's kind of on what what part of the subset they want to go for. Because in the end, one actually has snakes as hands. So it, it's <laughs> we're covering all our bases with the races. You said it changed. We, yeah, we yeah. modified it. The classic and... Medusa thing just did not work. <laughs> yeah, we... yeah. Trust yeah. Us, yeah. Anybody... There was like one or two good uh, Medusas. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, uh, we also have a planar race, which uh, they're touched by oh, yeah. either lower or higher planar beings. Somewhere there's in their bloodline, somebody, yeah. somebody had a relation, and uh, there could be like, uh, a half angel or a half demon running around, so on and so forth. Uh, and there's also people that have a dragon bloodline, which fall into the planers. Which yeah, planer adds for a lot of options as well. We got winged elves and dark elves. We even got lightning, which are snow elves, such water elves. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we have one of the elven races, we have red caps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gray skin. Yeah. Blood red hair. They're they're wicked. Nice. And uh, we we um we moved away from uh, the stereotypical uh, black skin dark elf. Uh, mm-hmm. We changed skin color to either a dark purple or dark blue. It, we we wanted to be mindful and we didn't want to insult anybody racially. So we, we modified that and uh, it fits into the war of game. Yeah, I think that's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> In my humble opinion. Yeah, right. Cool. We covered a lot, um, and I'm sure there's a lot more. Uh, <laughs> Evan, anything you wanted to get clarified or hear more about? That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on for hours yet longer. Right, right. That's great. I love yeah. it. Uh, so what does a first-time player, um, what are they expected to do in, like, what will they expect to see when, when they first come? Like okay. how do you, maybe how do you bring them into the world too, you know? All right. When a, mm-hmm. a first-time player reaches out to uh, a staff member or a player and they say that they're interested in playing, uh, they usually get directed to one of the GMs and then specifically me. Uh, mm-hmm. I will let them know that they 
need to fill out um, a contact form on our website so we know who you are. Uh, just and then we, we get your basics, contact information in case you know uh, there's an accident or something. You need to go to the wall. And your basic yeah. medical profile in case we have one ambulance. And we do this for safety protocols and for insurance reasons. And at that point, then I'll be like, hey, I'll direct them to the lore book. Saying, why don't you read the lore book? It's going to take you a little bit of time, but it's really worth it. Uh, everything that's in the lore book is public knowledge. So you can glean a ton of information from reading the lore book. And then I will direct the person saying, hey, since you read the lore book, race do you like? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I like dwarves. I, I've always wanted to play when I read the lore. The lore is really cool. And then I'll direct them to the rule book saying, hey, go, go into the book. Here's the link, so on and so forth. Look up the dwarves. It's on page 32. I'm just pulling a number out of my backside there. Uh, so <laughs> they'll go to the page where the dwarves are. They'll read, and, I'll, and I'll talk, I'll, it's usually on a Facebook chat or something like that, going, how do you like the race? Cool. I didn't expect that. I was expecting some stoic fighter type, and that's all I'm going to do. But now I have these options of three mm-hmm. subsets uh, of the race. And then it goes from there to okay, let's create a character. And it's right in the rule book. All you have to do is go page by page, and it tells you how to create a character. It'll tell you to pick the race, pick the culture. Uh, and then it, it, you read the the novice level skills, and then you pick where you want to start. Uh, you just be one specific thing, like I want to be a combat, and then you dump all your build into some combat. Things. Where uh, our game, we start uh, new players at fourth level because you're not just a, a, a nobody. You have actually adventured in your past, adventured. Hmm. So you're a hero to start the game, and nice. it's forty like years. It, it's 40 EXP to start the game. This way, you're you're not like dead on one shot, and we have, we have <laughs> one nice scale. You're useless for a half hour. Yeah, we we, we also have our, our hit point system, which is our via, which we start everybody at, at 20, and then you can modify that by purchasing more of it, or you buy certain skills to add to it, or certain racials add to it. And at that point, uh, after I'm done chatting with them, uh, I'll ask them, "Hey, submit it on." our online form as I'm a new player, John Doe, this is my character name, uh, John Doe 2, and then they'll submit it, and then I'll look at it, and I'll uh, incorporate it into our logistics file into a character card for them, and then I will get back to them, because we, we uh, do everything uh, with uh, Google, and I will give them access so they can look at their card for the event. This way, if they need to change something, be like, ah, I changed my mind. I don't want to be a, a, a fighty guy. I want to be a spell monster. Then we just rework it. It's, I, I actually enjoy making characters because I get to see uh, like uh, somebody's new angle on how to create something and have fun with it. It could just be something as simple as, hey, I have this one uh, guy all fifi skill. Everything else is magic, but that one fifi skill is going to be real handy now. Mm-hmm. And at that point, now they have a character, and I, I inform them we have a pre-registration form, and then I make sure that they have all our websites and our Facebook page, and then I, I make sure they're invited to the event page, and 
it seems like a lot, but this can all happen within like 20 minutes on an online chat. Yeah, we try to do a lot of one-on-one thing. We hire a better game like set up, and we don't expect that. And one thing is, we don't expect people to go out and like spend like a thousand dollars on a costume. Sure, and sure. That's you know definitely you know especially we've all been the first-time larper. And, yeah, you know, we've all been best. sweatpants and t-shirts. Yeah, we've all been sweatpants and a t-shirt that has, like, you know, turned into quasi-something in game and everything Cut like the that. sleeves off and make it into a tunic. Yeah. But, um, we don't, we, we definitely require some type of costuming version purposes, but we aren't, um... We're not elitists. We're not snobs, I guess you could say, like... You sure. Know, our, our, our we understand. We understand. We know people have budgets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like we have some people can afford to come in as their warrior wearing full plate armor from head to toe, and then we have the other guy that's using part of a ha- Halloween costume, which is fine. And then you know after you get introduced into our player base, our players will guide the person if they've never looked. Hey, give you pointers, they give you hints. I could tell you what website to go to to buy stuff cheap. Or let's have a swap meet. Or, or let's, yeah, or let's have a swap meet. And a lot of times that does happen. And uh, there, there you go. Here's your new player, and he just joined the family. And we are we are open armed. It's that simple. So mm-hmm. we, we accept anybody who wants to come play our game. And we're capable to take uh, what handicaps, anxiety issues, <laughs> and so on and so forth. We have things in place that we can open doors uh, to people at uh, other games would just not look at. Uh, but you know what I mean. Sure, uh, yeah. We have sure. ramps. We have ramps on the camp for people if they if somebody in a wheelchair wants to play. And we've already uh, with the GMs we've already spoken. Okay, what if we do get somebody in a wheelchair? How can we accommodate them? Fun. And we have mm-hmm. things in place already, and we'll make sure that they have fun. And um, as far as in, uh, like integrating a new player into the game, um, we, we recognize that sometimes it can be difficult. You know, um, it's easier sometimes if you come with friends or if you know somebody who, who played the game. Um, so it kind of depends on you know that, but also on you know what's happening in the weekend. You know, mo- modules and uh, encounters and stuff happen fairly frequently, and we try to make sure that everyone is included, and, and then especially the new players get involved. Um, but we also have something that we came up with to try to make that a little bit easier um, called our mentor system. So each new player will get paired with an older player, um, both in-game and out-of-game, so that they can help them uh, better understand the rules and help them get involved with stuff. Is that like the veteran players will volunteer to do that? Um, or you yeah. uh-huh. ask? Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a set a set group of people who have said that they want to be the mentors and that we uh, pair each person up um, either by whether or not they know them uh, you know out of game or uh, you know based on their their seemingly uh, seeming interests in the game. Sure. Like the sure. kind of character they play. Gotcha. Like you know the evil people with the evil guys and the good guys, you know. Which is they- you know, another thing about our game. Like we let people play evil characters. Or well, characters. Uh, uh, and good guy characters. But before you run down that path with scissors in your hand, uh, when a new player is at the event, uh, Robin runs a new player training. It doesn't matter LARPing for 10 years. If it's your first time in our game, you need to talk to Robin for at least an hour before. <laughs> it's about an hour. 
So it, he it can depends. make sure that you understand the basics of the game, and you're going to be safe in combat. So it, it's it's pretty much your first field test. If you're completely green, mm -hmm. it lasts a little bit longer. But if you yeah. have experience, it, it's you know it, it scales back. It's not an intensive hour, especially sure. if you are already familiar with LARPing. Some people skip out on it and have to catch them in-game. <laughs> as far as some stuff that a person, like a person coming to the game would need to know, um, you will need to bring a uh, uh, your own sleeping kit, like you're either a cot or a mattress or something like that. Um, there, are not, there are not beds on the camp that we um, it has many other anemones, but it does not have beds. Yeah, we have flushing toilets inside. Yeah. And we also have AC and it's hot oh, nice. and, and it's beautiful. But we don't have beds, so and you have to bring your own stuff. And we also have a, a bunch of, uh, we have yurts that are on the camp. We have little little wooden tent cabin things that are up year-round. And then there, there's actually a few tent sites. So we can accommodate close to 200 people. On our camp, that's awesome. Yeah, so we we have enough tent space for about two hundred people. We so, also like to use it for the modules and stuff, which works out pretty good. Yeah, and, and and we get to spread people out too, especially during the warmer months. You know, it's like the the quote shady guys can have that one site all by themselves. Nobody's gonna mess with. Them. And mm. then you also have like the goody good guys having their own tent site, and and here they are, they're they're walking around trying to recruit. Whew, that was a lot. <laughs> but in a good way. A lot of good stuff. We got more. <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate your time. And uh, it does sound really cool. And it sounds like, um, you know, I always like to hear, you know, I love an interesting world and a really cool rules mechanics. But, you know, when you hear like that there's a staff and GMs that are really invested in the players and uh, making sure they have a good time and, you know, sort of both giving them what they want, but not giving them what they want, you know, like there's a <laughs> right and wrong the, the ways big, to do that. So. The, the big thing is without the players, we have nothing, right? We have this wonderful world and we need the players. So we make sure that they enjoy themselves. They don't always win. Sometimes they lose, but you know what? That makes them happy as well because sometimes people have to get put in their place mm -hmm. and, if you always win, no. If you always win, you get spoiled. Mm -hmm. They don't always win. Oh, they don't always win, which is great. <laughs> um, we wanted to start a LARP because we wanted to put a major emphasis on treating each player fairly as an individual um, with their own goals and backstory, while at the same time making them all feel like they're in this together. Um, we want each player to come to our game and feel like they are getting all the attention. But mm -hmm. every and I wanted to allow players the freedom to play a variety of diverse characters. Good to evil, to combat heavy, non-combat, just want to sit craft stuff. Um, or, and high level and low levels to play together, and any other variety that you can think of. And I wanted to also, and this is really, I wanted to create a game that is inclusive and out of game safe for everyone of all genders, needs, and walks of life, where everybody felt that they could come and have fun and not worry about being excluded for whatever reason. For all the many different reasons people are excluded or feel excluded and left out, I yeah. wanted to try and negate that as much as possible. Well. 
And, uh, and aside from the fact that I had this whole universe bursting out of my head that I had to share with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, sounds like you put a lot of work into it. It sounds like it's it's paying off. Yeah, we all, everybody, this is a, definitely a group effort. We have a lot of cool people who have contributed to this game. Yeah. Well, awesome. I think that's a great place to, to wrap it up. And uh, we really appreciate having all of you on. We appreciate you having us on. Sure. Yeah. I think I think we'll have to have, I mentioned it a couple times on the show maybe, and uh, I said before we recorded, we are trying to get some of the hosts or some of the people part of our podcast to uh, go try the game out and then come back and sort of report on their experience there. And that's kind of our regular segment we'd like to have, trying out different LARPs and coming on the show and sharing about our own personal experiences with it. So, Well, we'd love since... to have you if you guys can make the drive. Well, uh, we used to have a player that lived in North Carolina. He would drive eight to ten hours to come up. Well, yeah, there was actually three of them. But uh, one of them uh, moved back up to New Jersey, where he was from. And But for two years, he was coming up. Actually, no, it was longer than Dedicated. that. Dedicated. It was with the old game, too. Yeah. Uh, so it was like four years he was driving to come up to play our game. I think it was like a help. Oh, you know, pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, it's easier to, to go to a LARP every other month, like, that's really far away than it is to have. Yeah, well. Yeah. We would love to have you, but we understand if you don't. <laughs> well thank you very much uh, really appreciate it and uh, give us a couple links where people can get some more info our website is corelarp.com that is c-o-r-l-a-r-p dot com that has all the information on it as well as links to our forums our rule book, our lore book facebook, facebook all the books stop shopping nice. yep Perfect. Yeah, we have our Facebook page, um, which I think is Coral Arp. Uh, we also have a like community page, which is called Citizens of Viridia. Um, it is a closed page, so you do have to get like uh, an invite to it, or like a you click you want to join it, and we'll uh, uh, we'll ad- uh, admit you to it. But that's where we do a lot of like talking with our with our players. Um, our Facebook page is uh, uh, for announcements and stuff. Yeah, the. The Facebook page, our Facebook page is technically, uh, the address is still under VC LARP. The name of the page is Chronicles of Rowan on Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Well, thank you very much. We've had uh, Chronicles of Rowan on here. Check them out in New Jersey or North Carolina or wherever if you want to go. Play their <laughs> uh, 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 New Jersey, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we really enjoy meeting people from the community. If you want to connect with the podcast 321 lay on visit our facebook page uh send us a message or visit nextlevelnerd.com or 321layonpodcast.com to see everything going on there and uh thanks again thanks evan for joining us sure thing and we'll see you soon thank you very much thank, thank you, you. The population from Philadelphia is hitting the New Jersey shore. So it can get it, it can get a little Mad Max around some of the roads. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you want yeah. Stuff, he can just drive here. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Carl one time on top of a car with a guitar that's shooting fire out of it. <laughs> no, it right. wasn't me. It was just somebody who looked like me. And me like yelling mediocre. Like, <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Sal spray paint in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs>